0: urban and Māori. They had left everything that they knew, so they were stuck in these cities. Today, 85% of us live in urban places. Something about Wellington draws me in. I am a city girl. They had to go to the city because they were shifted there. In this concrete jungle, in the urban sprawl, what is it that keeps us grounded? My tupuna have been thriving here for many generations. I'm Māori wherever I go. My name is Kahukutia and this is He Ho weaving together strands of connection from Māori and the city. I grew up with a strong sense of where I come from. My parents made an intentional decision to raise us in Te Urewera, where our whakapapa is, so that we could be fed by the people and by the land. For the last four years I've been living in Wellington and I've come to experience for myself life as a city Māori. I know now that living in the city doesn't have to mean disconnection. Today's story is about the fight of one hapu to remain connected in the city. Last episode we talked about the reoccupation of Bastion Point Point. And how in the 70s that struggle provided a home for generations of Ngāti Whātua to come. And so I'm in shock, but also not really, to see the exact same thing happening in my generation 40 years later. This episode is about what it takes to build an Indigenous resistance movement. We're going to Ihumātao. Here, a group of mana whenua had been fighting to protect their papakainga, a heritage site, from urban development in Auckland City. Supported by their kaumatua, six cousins have formed a movement and called thousands of people, young and old, urban and rural, from every hapu and iwi in Aotearoa to come and help protect this land. Kia ora koutou. it's just after 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. I am at Wellington Airport. This morning I booked a last-minute flight to head up to Auckland, so I'm just about to jump on that flight. Yesterday I found out that a large number of police, Māori wardens, the Kingitanga, and members of the group Te Kauraua Maki were on-site at Ihumatao to evict a group of peaceful mana whenua and land protectors who have been occupying the site and reclaiming the land since 2016. The call has gone out for people to come up and keep the land warm. Ihumata was always part of the plan for this Kopapa, um, and I knew I wanted to tell the story of this people. I just didn't think it would be so urgent so I'm about to jump on my flight.
1: This morning I woke up and looked out my window across the whenua and I saw a hundred police officers, Fletcher construction employees and contractors, and other employees arrive to the whenua to evict us from our whenua Taurikura. We aren't here to get arrested, but we are here to ensure that no machinery destroys the wahitapu, the archaeological sites that lay across our whenua. This is a rare cultural heritage landscape that we all need to protect.
0: This is Panya Newton. She's only 28 years old. Panya has become the face of this resistance movement. You've probably seen her face by now. It's on the news, on my social media. She's eloquent, she leads with peace, and so far she has not backed down. If you do live under a rock and you haven't heard of her, her hapū's whenua was stolen in 1863. For the last 150 years, it's been farmed by the Wallace family. In 2014, it was deemed a special housing area by Auckland Council, and Fletcher Building purchased it in 2016 to build 480 homes. Panyanu cousins all whakapapa to this land and were supported by the komatsua of Makodo Marae just down the road. They do not want to see their papakainga turned into a suburban development. And so, guided by their komatsua and the teachings of our ancestors, they have started this kopapa and brought us all together.
1: Our values are based on parihaka. We follow the lessons of tohu and te fiti o We follow the legacies of Eva Rickard. We follow the legacies of Finna kupa. And we stay, and we're peaceful, we're passive, and we're resistant. So on that note, to tuturua whi te whakamaua, kia tina. Tina.
0: When the police arrived en masse to the Finua on the morning of the 23rd of July, they came with an eviction notice. They probably thought this would all go fairly smoothly. What they didn't predict was that the call of Panya and her cousins would bring so many people to the land. And so Kaitiaki village at this time has grown into a city of tents, a line of marquees as kitchens, a poor heady space, media offices, welcoming desks – this is a tiny temporary city, popped up in some paddocks on a spur of land off the southwestern motorway, only five minutes from the airport. I've been here a few times over the past few years, and I've never seen it like this before. A few months ago, I was here to interview Panya. On that day, there were about 10 people here on the Fenua. Kaitiaki village was a shed, a makeshift wharikai, and a small house the noisiest inhabitants were the chickens. There was a pot of boil-up cooking over the fire outside, a few tents and a single caravan. The threat of eviction was real, but not imminent, and it was business as usual for the reclamation of Ihumatau. Mm, I'm coming to talk to Panya. Is she around? She is indeed, darling. Huh? Excellent. So you hang in here, and I'll go and grab Panya. Cool. Thank you. I found Panya in the Fadykai, a shed that they'd turned into a communal eating space with storage, tables, and a big sink. As it turned out, Panya had a bad flu. The mahi does not stop though, and she was hard at work doing a bunch of things on her laptop. Just a week earlier, there'd been a few police officers here but the Fano had been able to hold tight to their position on the Fenua. So the vibe was chill. The sign at the entrance, under the waharoa, showed a timetable for the week. It included yoga and gardening, karaoke, line dancing and a bunch of other things.
2: <laughs> the knitting class is about to start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm. mean.
0: Mm. Um, I thought I might start off by just giving you the opportunity to... Introduce yourself and can kind of your connection to this whenua. Oh,
2: kia ora tata. Ko Pukitahapapa Te maunga, ko Orua Rangitaua, ko Te Manukanuka o Te Moana, ko Hape Rangatira, ko Kaifare farete Tipua, ko Tāmaki Makaurau Te Marae, ko Ngāti Mahuta, Ngāti Naho, Waikato Whanui, Te Rarawa Ngāpuhi Ngā ara ko Pānia Newton tōku ingua. My connection or my whakapapa to this finua extends as far back as twenty eight generations so the arrival of our Tupuna Ahapi. Pugatapapa, which is the area that we are sitting on at the moment, this is our Papa Kaina. This venua means a lot to our people. It means a lot to my identity, it makes up who I am and who I will ultimately become in the future. And it's really shaped the person that I am. Today,
0: I could go on and on uh, for days about why Ihumato is really important. Technically, Pania and her whānau do live in the city, but that doesn't mean that they identify as urban Māori. Uh, no, <laughs> I, <wouldn't, laughs> I do not consider myself an
2: urban Māori, um, because I'm living here on my you know, tupuna whenua, and my tupuna have been living and thriving here in Ihumato for many, many, many generations. And I'm tangata whenua, if anything, uh, rather than yeah, being this urban Māori, which I've heard people describe me as in the past. But yeah, we struggled with that because I never really understood it because uh, our people have always been here. We never came to urbanisation. Urbanisation came to us. We first started the campaign back in 2015 after discovering that there were survey pegs on our ancestral land here and upon further investigation
0: we found that there was this housing development being proposed. Panya had just finished her law degree and she was about to go and work at a law firm for the first time. So on our Facebook page one of the cozzies put up a post asking if anyone
2: else was had heard about what was happening. There were six of us there you know, were in outrage of what was happening, all from the same generation.
0: Soon after, they learned what was about to happen to their Fenua. 480 homes to be built on that wide stretch of farmland, right next to their hapu's historic Ōtuataua stone fields. These fields were the first gardens planted in Aotearoa when Māori arrived here. Scattered along the hills, there's also several significant burial grounds. One of these burial grounds has already been dug up to build the second runway at the airport down the road. Alarmed that their whenua tipuna is about to be turned into another suburban neighbourhood, Panya and her cousins form Sol, save our unique landscape, with the blessing of Komatsua from Makoto Marai. We didn't know what we were.
2: Getting ourselves into, or what was really required, but I guess we had skills. We were all pretty privileged to have gone through university and to have some resources, you know, available to us in terms of um, how to use laptops and computers and maximise technology and and know the power of our voice. So at the time that we created our campaign. We promised that we would exhaust every legal means available to us before having to take direct action. So I always looked up to different Maori political movements and the philosophies that they used, such as the Parihaka movement that was established by Tiffisi Orongomai and Tohu at Parihaka and. I knew those were the philosophies that I wanted to employ in order to defend our whenua. Other philosophies employed were those that came from Bastion Point. And you know, the Kopapa that was led by Papa Joe Hawk and him travelling to the UN is what inspired us.
0: This hasn't been an easy road. Panya and her cousins have faced a lot of criticism from mainstream New Zealand. Even amongst Māori, there are some who have been apathetic to the struggle here. Panya herself has had to deal with rumours that she's not even from there. They've been told there are ungrateful Māoris, that they are causing trouble, that they are just young people who do not know what they're talking about. Panya told me that she is willing to die for her land, and this is a sentiment that I resonate with most of all. Honestly if my Fenua were under siege the way hers is, I'd be doing the exact same thing. The land purchased by Fletcher's is about 32 hectares. Of the 480 homes that will be built, 40 will be designated as affordable housing for local hapu members. This was the deal agreed by Te Kauraua Maki and Fletcher's building. But for Panya and her whanau, this land, in the end, is stolen land, taken from mana whenua through a process of colonisation that displaced many of her tzipuna and disconnected an entire people from the whenua, from their way of life. In their views, the entire piece of land should be returned to the people and protected as the heritage site that it is. For Panya the value in the land is that it can sustainably support a Māori way of life, but still there are some of her elders who don't agree and having those conversations has been really hard for Panya and her cousins. Our chair always said that at one point we may come to heads in the future
2: and we acknowledge that and in many ways it reared its ugly head but hasn't been enough in order to make us want to ditch the campaign. And in saying that, yep, yeah, there's been some lows. <laughs> uh, not many though, but i would have to say the most difficult one would have to be overcoming our tikanga. And I say that in reference to these notions around tuakana and taina and this other concept around Tadia Tewa. There's always a time and a place. Going back to this concept around taina and tuakana, having to respect our elders, those have been things that have been difficult for me. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, Publicly out there that I've been criticised by my own uncle as not being mana whenua or tangata whenua (laughs) here in Ihumatao. Yeah, and that's been demoralising. It's been demonising that these colonial behaviours, I don't know what to call them, yeah, of patriarchy and things like that have somewhat clouded some of our people. Mm,
0: I suppose it's a real tricky one, eh? Because as Māori we're taught that our elders... Need the utmost respect Mm. and to never question them. But if the elders aren't getting the mahi done, what are you going to do? Mm. Obviously, Panya isn't the first person to ever question a komatua. Matua Joe Hawke at Bastion Point was also criticised by some elders of his iwi.
1: Here
0: he is, forty years ago, speaking to Fainata about his own battle.
1: What is the feeling now between your group and the, the Elders of Ngāti Whātua?
3: Well, we've got to always remember that we have Elders too. Um, and it's quite certain that our Elders have instructed myself and our committee to remain on our policy of non-violence, of peaceful protest in regard to uh, the many grievances of our people. As far as some section of our people are concerned, uh, perhaps many of them are more willing to capitulate.
2: And so we've seen that over the years here, in Ihumata and across our mutu. And when I'm stuck in moments like that, I think of my tupuna, Maui tiki, tiki, You Ataranga. Know, Maui Potiki, he constantly challenged his brothers and he challenged tikanga. And, you know, through... His uh, nanakia ways, his perseverance, and his entrepreneurial ways, he was able to fish up tika, maui, and slow the sun down. I guess for me, drawing back on our whakapapa helps to bring me strength and resilience. And when I'm criticized for being a woman and being naive and inexperienced, I remember uh, my tupuna, such as Hineahuone, who was the first female and a you know, first human being and Papatuanuku who demonstrates the first form of Māori leadership.
0: So now we're up to speed. The eviction notice has been served and I've come to Ihumatao to keep this venua warm. I've always looked on events like Bastion Point with such admiration. It's one of many struggles that my pakeke fought for future generations. And so, I've come back in solidarity with Panya and her whanau. I am one of thousands.
2: My name is Jessica. I don't have any ties to this particular piece of land, but as Pākehā and Māori, my Wairua is intertwined with all of our land. And having the history that we have, you cannot be like, because you're not from here, you're not particularly affiliated with this specific acre, this specific area. You can't just be like, well, it's not worth it. So I'm here to fight for all of our people and to be present.
1: Peaceful, positive, positive presence, present. My protectors, not the land.
3: Kilda, <laughs> my name is Trinity, a uh, descendant of Kahunene. I believe that we all have a degree of struggling for sovereignty over different aspects of our lives and this just happens to be a massive scale of struggling for sovereignty and struggling to have teno rangatiratanga over the outcomes that we want for our own lives. So this struggle is my struggle and it is an honour and a privilege to stand alongside mana whenua alongside the people of Ihumatao and also fellow supporters of the kaupapa to uplift a struggle that we all share individually but also as this kaupapa shows as a collective as well. Kelda.
0: How have you found the last couple of days here?
3: I felt very unsettled prior to being on the land because I wanted to know what was going on for myself and then as soon as I came here, settled. Settled in that I could see with my own eyes, hear with my own ears, feel with my own hearts and wider what was going on. I
0: had no real plan when I came here. Teya Burney, one of the many who has spent her night on the front line. But I was sharing with my cohorts
1: that the urban generation is purposeful. It's by design, Um, not only by our parents and our tupuna, but by the universe itself it's it's forced a generation of people that bridge the gap between Te Ao Pakeha and Te Ao Maori that speak fluently both languages and both worlds so that the communication space between them has clear pathways otherwise it wouldn't change you know we are all here this group of people coming through from those generations of urban Māori who were disenfranchised and forced to find our identity in places that didn't really exist.
0: Turning up at Ihumātau was like walking into a room at a party and everyone is your crowd. Most of our well-known Māori influences were there, along with our great pakeke like Moana Jackson and Annette Sykes. Walking around, I think we all felt this tone of unease with the lines of police facing us, reminding us that we are not welcome here. But the day-to-day at Ihumatao meant looking past that and doing what we do best, manaakitanga and whakafanaunatanga. A kaumatua and kuia guiding us, aunties and uncles in the kitchens, tamariki handing out sandwiches on the front lines, babies everywhere.
3: And not everyone here was Māori either, I'm Lucia, I am 19, and I'm here because I think if you have the choice to protect something that needs to be protected, I don't think that there's any question about whether or not you should be here. It's such a beautiful, beautiful place, and it's such an important cause, and I just think there was, there's no excuse for me not to have come. Kia ora, name is Patty. I'm 24 years old. Uh, I've come out to Ihumato this evening because it's my belief that if you want to do anything about racism and decolonization in this country, it's a very simple choice to, whether to support this cause or not. Earlier someone had been asking me what they thought about uh, the general vibe and the general atmosphere down here. And um, it's the sun's just going down now and it has a really pleasant family kind of festival gathering type of atmosphere with all the kids playing and Uh, fires going and uh, the smells and the sounds, it's all beautiful. And then um, as soon as you look to the perimeter, you can see a line of high-vis officers with their arms folded and, yeah, it makes you run cold a bit just looking out there.
0: Manakitanga in the face of colonial mamai, has to be the greatest form of resistance. It's volunteers offering hot drinks to police, chairs and blankets pulled out for komatua, And on one afternoon... Manaakitanga was the planting of native trees along the line occupied by police. The sun is just above the western horizon when Panya calls for all the Tamadiki to step forward. <laughs>
1: no fear when you are exercising your rights as a kaitiaki, this is what kaitiaki tanga looks like.
0: The calls of Tonga ring out across the Fenua. the aunties give karanga and uncles give tau parapara, the tamariki and this huge line across the Fenua take to the front face to face with police officers, their trees in hand. I think everyone here has goosebumps. I'm about to cry and I can feel the ihi, wehi and wana woven between all of us. This is the story I will tell my kids when they ask me what it was like at Ihumatao. And right at the front, there's Panya.
2: So over the years, we've become conditioned to Having this great sense of hopelessness or this sense of having to accept and adapt and move on from any injustice that we've had to face in the past. And so through this movement here in this kopapa, seeing our whanau return back to their Fenua and feel empowered to reclaim our tinoranga tiratanga and our Fenua has been a, a highlight for me. Watching our tamariki and our mokopuna walk across this land, which is something I never got to experience when I was younger because it's always been in private ownership. That also has been a highlight for me.
0: This struggle is certainly not the first and will not be the last for our people. The vision Panya has is powerful, not because it is new, not because it's on this huge scale, but because it tries to do something so plain, so simple, allow the whenua to remain unchanged.
2: Being Māori, we are all born kaitiaki. Kaitaki of the taiao the whenua, the environment, or kaitaki of our Fano, of our families, and kaitaki of our culture and our language. So being born within our Māori philosophies or worldviews or environments, you know that was installed in us from you know, really, really young. I guess it's it's part of our DNA as well. Being children of Ranginui and Papa and our purako, you know, they're all threaded throughout. So, yeah, I guess being Māori, you naturally possess uh, that responsibility or that quality of a kaitiaki. We will
1: continue to resist colonialism, the confiscation of whenua, the pillaging of tinuranga tiratanga and mana motuhake the desecration of Wahitapu and the denigration of our environment, our Taiao Papatuanaku. We will one-on-one face these wonderful police officers. We will have a seat to maintain our energy. This is our whenua, this is our kaipapa, and it's our tino tanga that we need to maintain. Ngari kairunga kya tuturu, kya whaka
0: Emihi Kowana Kia Pānia Newton, Metefano or Ihumatao. Thank you so much to Pānia and all the awesome Manafinua protectors that we talked to at Ihumatao. There's one episode left in this series, and after everywhere we've been, where else could we possibly go? Well, the music you hear now is an original Waiata composed by Wahine Toa Geneva Alexander Masters. Geneva grew up in a te reo speaking home in Great Lynn, but for most of her life, her whakapapa has been a bit of a mystery, along with the circumstances that took her father away from the Papa papakainga where their whakapapa lies. So it's about letting that go, because <sighs> I'm,
3: yeah, I'm sick of being angry.
0: The final episode of He Kākanoa Ho is a journey of reconnection. Kākanoa Ho is written, researched and hosted by me, Kahukutia. Produced by Francis Morden. Melody Thomas is the editor and production and script consultant. The theme music Rito is composed and performed by Geneva Alexander Masters. Additional music by Marati K. Electric Wire Hustle and Asia. Artwork by Huriana Kōpeke Teaho. Mark Chesterman is the series engineer, and Ursula Grace is the executive producer archival sound recording in this series is from the RNZ collection at Ngā Taonga Sound and Vision and it's all made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Whakatau mai anō.